2 Kings chapter 5, 1 through 14. Now Naaman was, a, was commander of the army of the king of Aram. He was a great man in the sight of his master and highly regarded because through him the Lord had given victory to Aram. He was a valiant soldier, but he had leprosy. Now bands of raiders from Aram had gone out and taken captive a young girl from Israel, and she served Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, If only my master could see the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. Naaman went to his master and told him what the girl from Israel had said. By all means, go, the king of Aram replied. I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So Naaman left, taking with him ten talents of silver, six thousand shekels of gold, ten sets of clothing. The letter that he took to the king of Israel read, With this letter I am sending my servant Naaman to you, so that you may cure him of his leprosy. As soon as the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his robes and said, Am I God? Can I kill and bring back to life? Why does this fellow send someone to me to be cured of his leprosy? See how he's trying to pick a quarrel with me? When Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his robes, he sent him this message. Why have you torn your robes? Have the man come to me, and he will know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman went with his horses and chariots and stopped at the door of Elisha's house. Elisha sent a messenger to him. Go wash yourself seven times in the Jordan, and your flesh will be restored to you, and you will be cleansed. But Naaman went away angry and said, I thought he would surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the spot and cure me of my leprosy. Are not Abana and Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Couldn't I wash in them and be cleansed? So he turned and went off in a rage. Naaman's servants went to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do something, some great thing, would you not have done it? How much more then when he tells you, Wash and be cleansed? So he went down and he dipped himself in the Jordan seven times, as the man of God had told him, and his flesh was restored and became clean like that of a young boy. It's good to see you uh, this morning. And uh, this morning, what we're going to do is we're going to conclude our sermon series on overcoming daily challenges. And you're probably thinking, we still have two weeks left, Jay. Where are we? What's the last lesson today? Well, in the next two weeks, we're going to have uh, guest speakers. Uh, next week, we're going to have Curtis Abraham, who will speak to us during the Winnipeg Youth Rally. And the week after that, we have Kevin Newbeline from Edmondson, who's coming here 
to speak to us during the Praise and Harmony uh, kickoff weekend, which is in two weeks. So uh, today we will conclude our uh, sermon series on overcoming daily challenges, and we've seen so many things in our uh, in our sermon series. We've had quite a time. We've looked into uh, daily challenges that we face, that we were, have been reminded of and equipped to overcome. And some of those challenges include our challenges with being patient, with anger, with worry, with, with setting priorities, making God our, our number one in our life, uh, taking time out to fellowship with one another, forgiving one another, uh, holding on to our faith in times of difficulties, uh, seasoning our speech with grace, and last week, Sean talked to us about loving our enemies. This morning, in our final lesson for the series, I would like to talk to you about a, a challenge that we have all faced. And in fact, you probably are in it, are, are in one right now. And this challenge that I want to talk to you about concerns conflicts. If you are, if you are around people, you probably experience conflict. I'm not God or anything, but I'm pretty sure that you have experienced conflicts. And you probably ask, well, why, is it imp- why are we talking about this now, Jay? Why are we talking about something that is so personal? And sometimes that is so hurtful in our lives. Why? Well, maybe that's one of the reasons why. It's because it's really personal and we need to talk about it. But the biggest reason that I want to share with you today, the reason why we need to talk about this, is because Jesus called us, his people, peacemakers. In his Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 9, we read in there that if we are going to be children of God, we need to be peacemakers. See, peacemaking is different from peacekeeping. Because peacekeeping, there's already peace, and you just need to keep the peace. But peacemaking is harder. Because peacemaking, it's assumed that there's no peace yet. So you have to make the peace. That's the, that's the nature of conflict, is there's no peace. We have to make that peace. And we need to be the peacemakers that God wants us to be. That's why we're talking about this today. And so, all of us want to resolve our conflicts. All of us want to address them properly the best we can. So I'm going to talk to you about resolving conflicts today, but I want, we want to go deeper because we want to make sure that our relationships are fulfilling, that they are lasting relationships, that they bring us joy. And it's not going to happen if we address our conflicts our way. This morning, I specifically want to talk to you about resolving conflicts God's way. It's not showing. Okay, there's supposed to be hands in there. They have two hands that are supposed to like touch together. But those two hands, uh, I was going to say when it appeared there, the question to us today is how do we extend that hand to that other person or to that other group that we have a conflict with? And how do we eventually shake hands to seal that resolution, right? And that, uh, that, that friendship back again, to restore that relationship back again. How do we get to that? This morning, I propose that we understand how 
to resolve conflicts God's way by first looking into understanding conflicts. We need to have a good understanding of conflicts. We probably do know already, but we just need to really remind ourselves about conflict before we even get to looking into what the Bible says about resolving conflicts. We need to understand conflict first. Conflict. What brings about conflict? What is it? And why does it happen? So, conflicts exist. One of the reasons why is because of differences. It's because I am made, or I I grew up differently than you. I have different beliefs, values, points of view, and depending on my situation where I am, I may look at things differently than you. That's why there's conflict that happens. Another major reason why conflicts exist is because of misunderstanding. It's because of um, communication. It's huge in relationships, communication. Um, We all know about communication here. There's this individual by the name of Dr. Morabian, Albert Morabian. He came up with a 738-55 rule. You guys have probably heard of it. And it's a really interesting concept. He said that uh, there's a graphic there. I don't know why it's not showing. There's a graphic there of a pie chart. And the pie chart is broken into three. Three different parts. And you saw the word already appear there. Words. And there's tone. And there's body language. Right? What part do you think is the biggest in the pie that consumes the way we communicate and people perceive us? Yeah, 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 people are like body language. And the next one is tone of voice. The smallest bit of our communication is our words. That's the 7%. The 38% is the tone of voice, how we say it. Say, for example, the word yes. If I say yes, like that, yes, you know, you would perceive that, that I am answering in the affirmative. It's yes. But when I say yes, there's a lot more that I said there, right? I only said the same word, but there's a lot more that you're, that's going on in your head. You're probably attributing things about my character. Jay's a sarcastic guy. Why would he say yes like that? Right? And then you see my body language there, like my, my, my eyes went, went, you know, yes, you see that? That's my body language. Why is he condescending on me? Right? That is why a lot of our conflicts exist. It's because of misunderstanding, because of our communication, and because of our differences. Now, is conflict bad or good? You can answer that in your mind. Is conflict bad or good? See, this is also where a lot of times we miss out on the the importance of conflict in our lives. Because we think all conflict is bad. Or any conflict is bad. Conflict is natural. We are different people. Right? We have, you know, we have have differences, and so conflict exists. But conflict could either be good or bad. Depending on how we address conflict, it could be either good or bad. If we do it 
improperly, we, 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 conflict could eventually break us. But if we do it well, conflict will make us grow. I'll give you an example. I, I think I talked to you before about, you know, when Linda and I got married first, one of the things that we, I, we really struggled with, I know it's really simple, is the toothpaste. Do you guys remember that? The toothpaste in the bathroom? Like, this is the toothpaste tube, and every time I'd go in there in the washroom, it would be, like, squeezed in the middle. And I was brought up in a place where the toothpaste tube, you get it, you have to, like, fold the thing in the back. So to get the toothpaste out, you don't just squeeze in the middle. That's rude. (laughs) Right? But that's our difference. Now, if I did it in an ineffective way, I'd be, like, condescending to her, right? Why do you do that? Did you, did you not care about our house? You know, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, make it big? As it, you know? But then we sat down, and then we talked about it. I, I said, this is what I was used to. And she said, well, that's not, that's not what I was used to. It's not a bad thing. And you know what solved the problem? Somebody gave us, we talked, this, we talked to somebody about this, at the dollar store, there's this product that you can buy that goes at the bottom of the toothpaste and it squeezes it out for you. So instead of squeezing in the middle, you just squeeze the, the thing, the contraption, and it just squeezes it out. That solved it for us. Now we say that conflict could be either good or bad. That particular conflict, when we solve it, I know it's simplistic, but we can apply it to many things in our lives, right? That made us grow. Now it's not a problem anymore. Because little things in our lives like that, when it's compounded by many other little things like that, then it becomes big. Right? It builds up. But if we sort it out first and foremost, at the first instance, then we grow from that. We can go to bigger and better things, bigger and better conflicts. Okay? Now, here's uh, the scripture reading today. We read, we we, uh, learned about this guy named Naaman. He was the commander of the army of the king of Aram. And scriptures tell us that this guy was a great guy. He was well regarded by his people. He was a valiant soldier. But he had one problem. He had leprosy. His wife had a Jewish servant girl. And the servant girl knew about his, her God. The God of the God of the world, the God of Israel. And there's a prophet in Israel that served this God. So she told the wife of Naaman, hey, uh, there's a prophet in Israel that can help your husband. If he can just go there, he'd be healed of his leprosy. So Naaman went to the king and said, boss, I have a solution. If you just allow me, give me like, give me some leave time, right? I'll go to Israel and I'll go to this prophet and he will... He will heal me. So the king said, yeah, okay, right? This is what he said. By all means, go. The king of Aram replied, I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So Naaman left, taking with him ten talents of silver, six thousand shekels of gold, and ten sets of clothing. And this is what is read read in the letter. Second Kings 5, 6. The letter that he took to the king of Israel read, With this letter I am sending my servant Naaman to you, so that you may cure him of his leprosy. What a plan! It is a pretty good plan. Don't you think? It's solid. 
going to work. How do you think the king of Israel perceived this? Remember, conflicts happen because of misunderstandings, right? And differences, depending on the situations we are in. In verse 7, this is what happened. As soon as the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his robes. He's probably really strong because I don't know if I can tear my shirt right now. Tear my shirt right now. I don't know how to do that. He tore his robes and said, "Am I God? Can I kill and bring back to life? Why does this fellow send someone to me to be cured of his leprosy?" Now look at this. Look at this conflict. See how he is trying to pick a quarrel with me. Fists up. But the king of Aram didn't mean any of that at all. He even brought with Naaman, today, today's dollar value, millions of dollars worth of gifts to give to him. But there was obviously a misunderstanding, right? It's the same thing in our lives today. Many of our conflicts could be resolved just by talking. But we don't do it. We immediately ascribe intent and motive to what we see. Remember the iceberg theory? This is the water, and you see the iceberg? We see the iceberg, there's the iceberg. And we cut the iceberg out. Not really understanding that when we cut the iceberg out, it's still going to go up. We need to understand what's underneath. We need to sort out what's underneath that water. And we can do that by asking questions. He could have easily told Naaman, wait, wait, hold on. You know I'm not God, right? But Naaman would be, no, 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 yeah, no, no. Your prophet, I want to talk to your prophet. Not you, your prophet. It's just, you know, it's just because you own this thing, this kingdom, right? That's why my king wanted to talk to you first. But then I really want to see your prophet. It could have been all sorted out, but it wasn't. Until Naaman's servant said, well, Naaman's, uh, the prophet there, Elijah said, no, no, no. Get Naaman to come to me. And he sorted it out. Okay? Think about that. Now, many times when we face conflict, this is what we do. We attack. We avoid. Or we do something about it at first, then we give up. This is how I used to do things. And I'm a normal guy, so I'm pretty sure with some certainty, that you probably do some of this as well, yourself. And with me, though, it's different. Maybe you're you're the same with me. To me, when I attack, you know what I would use sometimes? Sarcasm. Yes? No? That's how I would say things. That's how I would deal with conflict. But that's not a good way to deal with conflict. But sometimes I would avoid... That person, I would go here. If if I think, if I don't see this guy, if I don't listen to this guy, then no conflict. That's not good either. And then sometimes I just give up. Oh, that person is not. If they're not willing, then I'm not willing. That will not help ensure that our relationships are fulfilling and lasting. More importantly, that is not going to make, to help ensure that we become the peacemakers that God wants us to be. 
Have you guys heard of King Pyrrhus? There's a picture there, but I don't know why my picture's not showing up. Something's going on here. Who's responsible for this? <laughs> Just kidding. Conflict, right? You see that? I will talk about that later. More in detail. King Pyrrhus. There's this guy named King Pyrrhus of Epirus. Epirus was a kingdom that is now currently in the region where Greece and Albania are. So this person, King Pyrrhus, was famous in history for fighting with the Romans. And he was one of the few kings who won against the Roman Empire. Twice he did that. Twice. But his win ended in some devastating losses. He lost his family members who were fighting. He lost his great friends and his many army commanders. When he was congratulated about his two wins, you know what he said? Ah, we win another, another battle against the Romans, then we will be utterly and completely destroyed. That's what he said. If we win another battle with the Romans, then we will be utterly and completely destroyed. We will win, yes, but we will lose. You see what he's saying? That's why in history, you look it up on Google, they named something from this king, and they called it a Pyrrhic win. A Pyrrhic win is a win in which you actually lost. That's what happens when we do conflict our way. It's like winning an online argument. It's not a good thing. Yes, we make the other person feel bad. But did we burn the bridge? Yes, we avoided that person. But did we miss out on the gospel? On us being peacemakers? When we attack, when we give up, and when we uh, avoid our conflicts, there is a big wake of devastation that we leave behind for ourselves and for the people around us, for our children, our siblings, our church members. Now, there's another thing that the scriptures tell us about conflicts gone wrong when we resort into fighting. James 4 verse 1 says, What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? Why do we fight? Because of our selfish hearts. It's because I don't consider you. Because I am so busy considering me. That's why. And when it devolves into that, you know what happens? Okay, I want to show you here a picture of what Paul says happens. Oh, before that. Okay, before that, before it devolves into that, let's give an example again in our text of selfish motives, of how bad our hearts can be that leads us to, to conflict, to bad conflict. Remember when Naaman uh, went over to, uh, in the scripture reading, to Elisha, the, apostle, the, the prophet, said, okay, I want to get healed. 
What did Elisha tell him to do to be cured of his leprosy? Elisha said, go to the river Jordan, dip yourself seven times. This is what Naaman said. This is how he interpreted that. This is how he reacted to that. But Naaman went away angry and said, I thought that he would surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God. Wave his hand over the spot, like some sort of magic trick, and cure me of my leprosy. Are not Abana and Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? It's better than the Jordan River. I don't want to go there. Couldn't I wash in them and be cleansed? So he turned and went went off in a rage. In our relationships, sometimes this is what we do. Because of our hearts and our minds. Where we are in our spiritual walk. Where we are in our maturity. This is what happens. Somebody says something and because of sin in our hearts. Because of our selfishness. Because of our pride. We miss out on growing in the conflict in which we can be in. We miss out. And this is where we go to what Paul says happens when this happens. When our selfish selves get in the way. Galatians 5.15 If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. I like this verse because there's an allusion there. What bites and devours? People don't normally do that. You know who does that? Animals. When we resort to attacking, avoiding, and doing bad things because of conflicts, aren't we like just as good as animals when we bite and devour each other? That's what happens. That's why we need to talk about this conflict. Right? So, now that we understand what conflict is, now that we know that it is good depending on how we address it, and it's bad depending on how we address it, now that we know that uh, conflict uh, exists because of our differences, and then we can just communicate to really iron out those differences, we can now get ready to really address that conflict. Now, let's, let's look at that. James 1, 2 to 3, the first thing that we need to do when we are at conflict with anyone is this. Look to God. Look to God. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Why is this happening? This conflict, if I look to God, I will perceive that conflict as an opportunity to grow and as an opportunity to be closer in my faith to God. Because it will require perseverance on my part. And this is the key in verse 4. Let perseverance finish its work that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If I say no to this conflict and avoid it and attack and not let perseverance do its work in me, I will not be mature. Maturity will not come upon me. It doesn't go by reading books or hearing and listening things. It comes by actually going through it. Look to God. 
And that's the only way that we are going to look at our conflict in a way that I want to do this properly. Next, look to ourselves. But before we do that, I think I have an example here. Do you guys remember Joseph? I'm going to go back here. Joseph. You know what happened to Joseph? He was sold to slavery by his brothers because of hate. Can you imagine being sold by your family to slaves? To slavery? Right? And then when he was in Egypt, he got brought to Egypt. There's this uh, sir, uh, uh, official named Potiphar. His wife took a liking to Joseph, but Joseph said no to the advances. The wife implicated him and said, t- said lies about him that landed him in jail in his 20s. He got sold to slavery and he went to jail while in slavery. If he had put his arms up in the air and said, no, I'm going to fight. I'm going to punch and kick and wail. Or I'm going to avoid or give up. You think what would have happened? He would not have been able to say this. This is what Joseph said in Genesis 50:20. You intended to harm me. He acknowledged that his siblings intended to harm him. But God intended it for good to me to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. There was, there was a famine there, and Joseph was instrumental in sorting that out because he was in Egypt. Right? He did not give up. He looked to God, and he looked to himself. All good things happen when we solve our conflicts in accordance with God. The next thing that we need to do as we look to ourselves is see to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. Look at that word, that term, bitter root. When something bad happens to us, it's so easy to fall into that trap, to hold something against someone because of the situation. And that bitter root grows really deep. Because of that bitter root, we will address the conflict in a way that serves our own selfish purposes. To get even, to make the other person feel what they have made us feel, not love. Next thing that we need to keep in mind is this. Romans 14, 19. Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. Make every effort as much as it depends on you. What if the other person is not willing? As much as it depends on you. It's not as much as it depends on them. It's as much as as it depends on you. If they're not willing, keep your arms open for them to come to you. You can't force them to come to you. But when they know that your arms are open, you are making every effort to do what leads to peace. But sometimes it's hard though. Because you're thinking, oh, they actually meant it. Yes, they did. Yes, they did mean you harm. But when we say that we make every effort, we also think in our heads, in our minds. They do not know any better. Maybe they did did not grow up in a place where rudeness is something that was taboo. Maybe that's the way of life for them. Maybe they just talk badly to each other where they grew up. Give grace to them. Make every effort to do what leads to peace 
into mutual edification. Maybe sometimes this, this applies. Proverbs 19.11 Good sense make, makes one slow to anger and it is his glory to overlook an offense. Sometimes it's good to just overlook it. The first time I read that, I know, you're probably thinking, it makes you cringe. I'm not going to overlook this. But that is love. Sometimes you can't if you have a relationship with the person. And this is when this particular verse comes into play. Matthew 18. We, we all read this. It's a long one, but I'm going to read the first verse. If your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault. Just between the two of you. I want to stay at that. Because for the most part, really, it gets resolved there. But if we don't have the, the attitude that we've described before, you know, make every effort to make peace, to have that love and compassion, to understand where they're coming from, then you know what we're going to do? We're going to go right at the very end of this process. Right? If they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church. And if they refuse to listen, even to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or tax collector. That's where we go right away. That's when this verse is abused. Because we don't focus on the first part. We have never really understand how we are feeling. We have never introspected. We have just talked about what that person has done. And so we abuse this verse. You know, this is what we do. When we have a problem, you know what we do? We solve it right away. You know, problem, what's the solution? That's what I want to do. This person did something bad to me, get him out of the church. Right? Exactly, Willie. I object to that too. Because what we need to do is this. Before you, don't go there right away. You have a problem, you have a conflict. Go this way first. Talk to them. Talk to them. Have we communicated? Has there been a misunderstanding? Maybe a difference of opinion? Talk about it. Identify what the problem was. Identify my place in the problem. What have I done? Not what have you done. What have I done first? Go with it as a team, not as enemies. Right? But when we read this verse, it's like, oh yeah, this is an enemy. I have to do this because they're an enemy. No. As brothers and sisters. As wives and husbands. And then after that, don't go there. Go here first. Problem. Talk about the actual problem. Identify what it is. Talk about solutions. What can we do together? Should we buy one of those things to put in the end of the toothpaste? Yeah? Do that. What can you do together? And then, and then after that, you go to the solution right here. You see that? And then after you've done that, this happens again. You can go straight to that because you've gone through the process. You see that? That's what we do. But no, we, because of our selfish hearts, we go right there. Because we are hurt, we go right there. Right? We want to exact the same thing against the other person. Now, I just want to give you something else. So just really, like a few more minutes of your time to put this into perspective. 
say we want to resolve conflicts God's way. Just one last verse. One of the things that we can do right now is to be gracious. Look at this verse. If we're going to do something God's way, let's put Jesus' attitude in our hearts when we resolve conflicts. Look at this. John 1.14. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came to the Father, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. I'm going to say that again. Full of grace and truth. Sometimes when we get hurt, we just know what happened. This is the truth. I'm going to tell them what they did. That is the truth. I'm going to tell them how they sinned. Because it's in the Bible. That's, this is what they did. But you see what Jesus did? He put grace before truth. We see that when he talked to the woman who, was, who, had, who got caught red-handed with adultery. It's true, that woman should have been stoned to death. That's what the law said. If Jesus were just really like, you know, oh yeah, you, yeah, yeah, stone her. But what did she do? She said, he said, grace first. Okay, any of you guys, if you have not sinned, yeah, you can, stone them. you can stone her. He gave her grace and then truth. Because she, he said to her, sin no more. Don't do that ever again. If we can just be gracious and truthful afterwards, we can really solve most of our conflicts. And I encourage all of us to do that today. The message today is simple. We solve conflicts God's way. Let's understand ourselves and our differences and our communication patterns. And then address conflict with the view to looking into God first and foremost. And then having the attitude of Jesus, wherein he puts grace before the truth. Thank you very much.